0: Welcome back and welcome to the bonus episode all about my endometriosis story. So today obviously I'm recording something a little bit different to my usual and to be completely honest for a little while I really grappled with the idea of even sharing this journey and diagnosis with my audience on social media and now the podcasting world. But I've always been myself on social media and elsewhere so it almost felt wrong not to be 100% transparent. I am one of the one in 10 Australian women who are diagnosed with endometriosis. Now, I know you may have heard that statistic before, but I really want you to picture 10 women in your life and include yourself in that number if you're a woman listening. And picture one of them having a chronic inflammatory condition of their reproductive system and also other parts of their body where their fertility can be affected, their day-to-day life can be affected uh, and has been listed as one of the most painful conditions you could possibly live with. Now endometriosis like I said is a chronic inflammatory condition of the reproductive system and other parts of the body where endometrium-like tissue grows outside the uterus either in forms of cysts, patches or lesions causing pain, heavy or painful periods or ovulation pain painful urination, defecation or sexual intercourse, bleeding during or after sexual intercourse and other common symptoms of fatigue, bloating and nausea. Now it wasn't a simple or easy path to being diagnosed but I wanted to talk you through my story because it probably is a little bit unique as working in this space well before I was diagnosed. And really how I worked out that something wasn't right and that it could be endometriosis. Now, I do want to forewarn this, that this is not personal medical advice. Please speak to your GP and healthcare team about your individual care needs. This is really, I know I'm a dietitian, but this story is not about really me being a dietitian. It's just me, a woman with a medical condition, sharing her story. So... I do also want to preface before I jump right in that I am very in tune with my body, probably more than most. And sometimes I would get ridiculed for that and I just wanted to reassure anyone out there who feels the same that they're really in tune with their body and they're not being heard That I feel you, girl. (laughs) So if this is you, I hope um, you take something away from this that's helpful um, for you. So I want to try and follow as much of a logical flow of events as possible. Um, But if you know me, my conversations are full of tangents. So if I go off track, please forgive me. To be completely honest, it is hard to say when the beginning of my symptoms started. I never had super painful or heavy periods as a teenager. I had a couple of bad episodes of vomiting with pain and cramps, but literally just once or twice. My period started when I was 13 years old. I'd been to the GP as a teen a few times as my periods were really irregular, and I actually thought I had PCOS for a long time. I was screened appropriately with an ultrasound, and my symptoms were checked. I had quite bad acne as well, so I was looking like a candidate. And I was told it was all good um, and it takes a while to become regular. And at this stage, I was probably 16, nearly 17. So going on three to four years of having a period. So I thought things should be pretty regular by now, but I decided to hold out. When I was about 19 years old and learning all about human physiology and embryology at university, and at the absolute peak of my acne breakouts, thank you stress, I decided to go on the oral contraceptive pill mostly for managing my acne. So I took myself off to the GP once again and got a script for the pill to help with my skin. Things were going pretty smoothly until about nine months in when I had a dance performance that I was in. I asked my GP whether I could skip my period using the pill as it would be easier not to have to deal with my period whilst doing cartwheels. I said go on ahead and so I did but to no avail. My period showed up. Anyway I was taking active pills and I was so confused. Isn't this just meant to work? I then went back to normal the following months but the spotting would not stop. Weeks on end of spotting despite taking the active pill for weeks. My GP then decided to change my pill. And things were fine again for another three or so years. I was on a type of pill that was actually pretty old and basically it changed the estrogen dosage of each week of the pill. So it would increase. And this was seeming to be pretty effective at stopping this really annoying spotting every couple of weeks. The same pattern emerged after about three years where I would have about two weeks before the sugar pill week, I would get quote unquote breakthrough bleeding and it just would not stop until I finished all my sugar pills. So I'd break bleed for two weeks and then have a period for a week. So I was pretty much bleeding for three weeks out of four, which is really inconvenient. No pain, no issues, just annoying bleeding. So with all this spotting, I became repeatedly iron deficient. I ate red meat, I ate lentils and beans and other iron-rich foods, but I just simply could not keep up with the losses. I eventually required an iron infusion to help me feel human again because that fatigue was real. It was about three years ago when things really escalated. I was in bed in absolute agony. I wasn't on my period I had this pain in my right lower side. It was a Sunday. I was on placement for dietetics. I was on on a, on a placement. I was at home though. Um, and I decided to call the nurse hotline and ask what I should do. I felt that maybe I had appendicitis or something was really bad going on because this pain was awful. Um, she said that it could be appendicitis and I should get to my GP ASAP or go to emergency. I felt like emergency was a bit overkill, so to speak. Never think that. Never think that. But anyway, so I headed off to the GP the next morning. This GP wasn't my regular GP. I should note that. I had to go somewhere close to placement as to avoid any unnecessary time off. The GP ordered an ultrasound to check for appendicitis and for any cysts around my ovaries that may be bursting. All was clear once again on the ultrasound but old Wanda and for those who are not in the fertility community Wanda is what we call the internal ultrasound stick not a fun time the lady the ultrasound tech that used Wanda was probing my right side to get a picture of my right ovary and I was in absolute 10 out of 10 pain to the point of tears and I I'd like to say my pain tolerance isn't too bad, but this was awful. This new GP said that I had right ovarian pain with no known cause and to come back next month if I'm in pain again. I was really annoyed with this dismissive approach. It could have been a kidney stone. It could be my bowel. There could be so many other things in that geography of my body that could be going wrong that he hasn't accounted for. I literally came back two days later demanding all of the above. I wanted investigations done for kidney stones and my bowels to be checked out. At this point, I couldn't even think straight on my placements. The pain was that horrendous and I was still in shock that it wasn't my appendix bursting. I got an abdominal x-ray done and it showed bad constipation. Another confusing finding because I was pretty much going regularly. Nonetheless, I started a course of laxatives after my GP giving me a line of questioning about my fibre and fluid intake, which at the time I found quite comical, but now realise it was the GP just being quite thorough. It was assumed my pain would go when my bowels were pretty much empty. Whilst it definitely reduced the intensity of the pain, a dull constant ache remained, which was definitely worse after a big meal. I decided to go back to my usual GP, now that placement was over and asked for a referral to a gastroenterologist. I visited the gastro and his guesses were perhaps I had some kind of inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease or perhaps it was gynecological in nature. The only way to find out was to do a colonoscopy. I got onto the public wait list for a scope, which is where you take strong laxatives to evacuate your bowels, which is just a nice way to say have violent diarrhea. And the camera is passed up your bum to see what's going on inside the bowel. Glamorous, I know. I realised my symptoms had improved a lot once I finished my studies and decided to cancel the scope as I realised stress was the biggest trigger for my symptoms, which was mainly classified as IBS at this point. But after, they came back with an absolute vengeance, so I got back onto the list and waited another six months. So now we're at July 2018. I get the colonoscopy done and I find an ulcer, but not a stomach ulcer, no, no, an ulcer in my terminal ilium. And for my non-anatomy buffs out there, this is the very end of your small intestine that joins up to the large intestine located on the right lower side, hence explaining the pain. Aha, mystery solved. I have an ulcer. Cool. They couldn't remove it or have any treatments, but at least I had an answer. The rest of my symptoms were down to irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. Great, no Crohn's disease, IBS and an ulcer that I couldn't do anything about. I decided to start the low FODMAP diet to see if it could help me and identify my food triggers and limit a few key foods rather than lots of foods that trigger symptoms for me. I continued on my merry way. I still experienced spotting with my period despite taking the pill. I found a new GP earlier this year and explained what was going on. Some weird symptoms had started to pop up again. Things were getting worse and I just noticed more and more unusual things happening. She updated my Patsby, ran some tests and saw nothing out of the ordinary. We looked at the options and decided to try a higher estrogen pill. Within two months of trying this pill, my skin was worse than ever and my mood was completely irrational. And yeah, I'm a bit quirky at times, but I definitely don't classify myself as being a moody person in general. I'm generally really upbeat and I just found myself being more and more sad So I decided to stop it altogether and went back to my GP to discuss my options. The best option we decided was an IUD, the Marina, as it didn't contain any estrogen, but rather a synthetic form of progesterone known as progestin. And it lasts for five years. Sounded pretty good to me. She sent me off to family planning for a consult for Marina insertion. I talked about my journey so far and what was happening, and they flagged me for an urgent visit with their doctor. After seeing the doctor and doing a whole new range of tests and answering all sorts of questions, they ended up referring me to a gynecologist anyway for further testing. This is when I started to really think about endometriosis. It had been a question I had posed to a number of my GPs years ago. I remember sitting in my university medical center and I said, could this be endometriosis and the pill is simply masking any kind of symptom?" The answer I got was no, you'd have painful periods despite that, and you'd definitely know if you had endo. I trusted her opinion and dismissed it. I thought to myself, my ultrasounds are always clear, having done four since a teenager, including a recent one. My x-ray CT scans are clear, and my colonoscopy was basically clear. There's only one more place to look directly into my abdomen between all my organs to see if they can find the source of the pain. At this point I was still having that right lower sided dull ache every single day. Plus some weird stabbing pains in between. Off the pill my periods were what I thought were heavy. I was told they weren't that heavy but here I was TMI, leaking everywhere, I planted my butt on day one of my period, and I noticed a definite increase in period pains compared to being on the pill. I thought to myself, that's normal, right? To be expected. But every single month, it got a little bit worse, and my bowels were just getting funkier and funkier in the lead up to it. And I just thought, well, that's IBS for you. My hormones are still adjusting. This is probably just normal cramps, and the the pill was really doing a good job at keeping those at bay. Again, I thought normal. Loads of my clients complain about all these symptoms, right? I was not in any kind of excruciating or debilitating pain. I wasn't having to not go to work or uni due to my periods. I wasn't even needing to take pain relief for my period. But I continued to have sharp pains between my cycles, erratic bowels, and other symptoms consistent with endo. But they were so inconsistent. It was so difficult to prove my case to anyone. I got to the gynecologist and worked up the courage and asked, do you think I should get a laparoscopy done? Which for anyone who doesn't know is a surgery where they insert a camera device to have a look at inside the abdomen between all your organs. And if there's any endometriosis, they remove it. I asked, do you think all these symptoms could be endo? He said, yeah, it could be. I'm happy to do the surgery for you. But even I wasn't sure if he was convinced that I'd be a candidate for endo. I took some time to think about whether I really wanted to do the surgery. The cost, the time of work as a business owner is huge. Potentially finding nothing, creating scar tissue if nothing is there which could affect my fertility. The thoughts just ran on a loop, the pros and the cons. I went into full-blown research mode, classic dietitian. How many laparoscopies have had no findings at all? Only 30%. Okay, that's a good start. I asked colleagues, friends, and even clients how they found the surgery and recovery experience. Could I just be thinking I have something because I help women with this condition and just experiencing a kind of confirmation bias like we do with zodiac signs? This was something my GP had warned me against. Steph, you know, you see this every day. Do you think perhaps you are imposing yourself on these symptoms and this condition? This used to happen to me when I was a medical student. And I just felt in my gut, in my heart of hearts, that something just wasn't right. It was a particular week in clinic that I had that really solidified it in my mind once and for all. A string of women, every single day I had a string of women, all diagnosed with endometriosis with a laparoscopic surgery, which is the gold standard, who had symptoms exactly like mine. No intense painful periods associated with the endo diagnosis, but something that was less obvious. I sat there, I listened to the stories of these women and just thought, holy moly, this is me. I need to get this sorted out. Like my lovely boyfriend said, I don't think I was going to cope with not knowing, so I might as well find out once and for all. It probably took me three years to get a diagnosis and have my endometriosis removed. I woke up from my surgery oddly calm. I have an intense crying reaction to general anaesthetic, so I was shocked. <laughs> and I felt weirdly lighter. I could hear the nurse saying in my really drugged up state that I had five incision sites and a catheter in which basically meant they found something because the surgeon promised me four incisions if it was a standard surgery. Nonetheless, I waited for the doctor to come and see me and he confirmed I had endometriosis and it was all removed and it was quite extensive. I cried. Tears of joy. He asked, am I upset? I simply told him I feel so validated, that I am not crazy, that I didn't make this up, that I'm not a hypochondriac. I don't know how many different medical professionals and doctors I saw over the years complaining of different issues, and this was never even mentioned. It was through my own education and awareness that I put the pieces of the puzzle together and proposed it to my medical team, who I'm so grateful actually listened Now, I know it shouldn't be on you to do this for your own health, but at the moment, we have to be our own advocates when it comes to our own health. And when you've got those inklings and gut feelings, you just really, really have to go for it. We know the average is 7 to 12 years before a woman is diagnosed with endo, a condition that loses many women, their jobs, their relationships with no cure, not even surgery or even a hysterectomy can cure endo. These are only management strategies. For 40 to 80% of women, they'll have to go back for at least another surgery. It is one of the weirdest conditions to try and explain to someone who doesn't have any understanding of it. It is so, so challenging. What do you mean? You cut it out. How does it grow back? Where is it coming from? We don't even know what really causes this condition, let alone how to cure it. There are other management strategies, of course, such as acupuncture, Chinese medicine, diet, which I help so many women with endo and their diet, and of course pelvic floor physiotherapy, to hormone treatments, to pain management medications, and of course, excision surgery. I have pretty much come to terms with the fact that perhaps multiple surgeries lie ahead for me in my future. Perhaps not, but I'm willing to accept it if that is the case. A condition that is more than just heavy and painful periods, but is chronic in nature, affecting so many different aspects of a fun- of function for a woman. Recent evidence suggests an increased risk of other chronic conditions which are autoimmune in nature such as rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, lupus and multiple sclerosis in women with endo as well. Despite my journey, I am so grateful at the age of 24 years old, I have been diagnosed. Many women do not find out until they are trying to conceive and are struggling to start or grow their family. 50% of women presenting for fertility help have endo and 30% of women with endometriosis will have a hard time conceiving. There are steps being taken with amazing organisations like Endometriosis Australia and Quendo advocating for the implementation of the National Action Plan for Endometriosis. A disease that costs women and society about thirty thousand dollars per year per sufferer in loss work and productivity and surgery costs i'm not sharing this for pity or for sympathy but for awareness i study this stuff for my clients daily i have a science degree i see these women all the time hear their stories and even then I doubted what was happening in my body despite being so in tune with it usually. I almost feel like a bit of a fraud to be honest. I hear stories of immense pain that women go through with this awful condition and I don't have that same experience or maybe not yet but I wanted to bust the myth that you do not have to be in agony to have endometriosis. This is true for some, but not for all women. I want to leave you with some words of one of my favorite endometriosis Instagram accounts, which I've been following for quite a while. Sinead Smythe. I hope I didn't butcher your name. It's just a little excerpt from one of her Instagram posts, which I'll link below for you to check out. Imagine your own body going against you. Imagine a sort of cancer that will kill you but you will live with forever. Imagine finding out there is no cure. Imagine knowing you will have to live with this for the rest of your life, to feel so horrific and no one believes you because you don't look unwell. This is endometriosis. For anyone looking for support or more information, I have linked some really helpful resources in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening and I will be back to regular programming in my next season, season two, where I bring on some amazing guests. And if this, my story touched you in some way or encouraged you in some way, please, please reach out to me, whether it's an email or a comment on this podcast or a social message or comment. It really just means a lot to hear from you who perhaps this was the thing that pushed you. It was my clients, my clients that pushed me to go and get an answer and get help. And I am just so, so grateful for the work that I do and the amazing clients that I have. And yeah, I don't really know how to end. It's so deeply personal to just share all of that on the internet. But anyway, I did it. Woo. (laughs) Um, if you'd like, please leave me a rating and a review of the podcast um, and I'll be back with season two soon. Stay tuned on my social media at the underscore dietologist on Instagram and the dietologist on Facebook and visit my website, thedietologist.com.au for more information about endometriosis and nutrition.